Hey, this is Doug Stanhope, and you're listening to Darren Frost and Friends on Anything Goes XM Radio. show this is very odd for me and kathleen isn't it it's really weird because usually um the show starts with hi you're listening to lavadag with darren frost coming from the studios in in tibet toronto uh with uh and then we can make fun of him but sadly dave martin is in the uk right now jolly old england um, probably sitting in a coffee shop by himself crying yeah um Spreading his so-called comedy around. Spreading and- his comedy seed. Yeah. <laughs> oh, gross. Like, what? Like he Watch does out, everywhere. ladies of the UK. <laughs> if you have low self-esteem and a couple of extra pounds, yeah. Dave is coming for you. <laughs> I like that he's not here to defend himself, Oh, yeah, though. he's not going to be here. <laughs> but I-, I will say, you said Tibet in your opening, uh, that I don't was, know. That was the thing. I had to stumble over. Oh, you did the four stumble. Yeah, four stumble. Because you're doing your Dave Martin impression. That's like my Dave that. Martin impression. Woo! So where were you on the weekend? Let's get into that. This weekend, I was in... Um, Oh, Oakville. Oakville. Ontario. Yes, you were. You know what Oakville is? I was hosting for Kate Davis. Other than where people go to die? Well, no. People go there to live their rich, snobby little life and breathe right. clean white air. <laughs> clean white That's air. That's what I said okay. every time I opened the show. I'm like, yeah. oh, it's so nice to be in Oakville with the other, <laughs> everybody breathing their clean white air. Nice. Because it's true, there is like it is rich white people, right? And that is it. And uh, I asked somebody about their. There was a woman there celebrating her birthday. I asked her if she got anything special, and she's like, no. And then she goes, no, wait, I got a car. I just forgot. And I was just like, <laughs> yeah. I was like, shoot me in the face, yeah. Oakville, shoot oh, yeah. me in the face. But it it got a little. Uh, this one of the late the late show on Saturday was uh, interesting because it was just one of those audiences that after the show they came up and they said you're amazing, but. There was no reaction to anything, right. and even the guy who was Tom Dustin was there. He was the the winner of the laugh off. Oh yeah, uh, yep, yep. Who he was really funny. Yep. great guy to hang out with from Boston. Check out Tom Dustin. But um, he was there. He brought up the reservation list with all the people's names. He's like, I have your names and your credit card numbers. And he said, Card, card. And I was yeah, like, yeah. Oh, he has a Boston accent. Yeah, I like yeah. that. But anyway, uh, he'll take me back with him. Oh, yeah. <laughs> No, but uh, it was a. I I I was getting depressed on stage, but I think it was because I had been working all day. I have a day job at a place where you serve coffee out of a white cup, and uh, <laughs> I don't want to say the name. Yeah. I don't know if I'll get in shit. But he was also a character name in Battlestar Galactica. Oh, really? Yes, he was. White cup. No. Oh. <laughs> the name of the store. The name of the store. What a fucking white cup. Oh yeah, the, here comes white cup right beside Darth Vader. <laughs> Right beside Mocha Mocha. But I was, <laughs> I had worked a full shift. I was exhausted. I had to go do two shows and these people weren't giving me anything. So I was just, 
I got depressed. Fuck pr- them. No, I wasn't saying fuck them. Okay. I was just getting depressed, and I was like, okay, I suck, and this is why comedians kill themselves, and that's why I said it on stage. Okay. But then I was like, oh, shit, bad timing, because there was- Of course. A, a, we lost Greg Giraldo. I don't know what happened there, if that was part of it, but uh, it was just a bad- I shouldn't have said that, but some lady came up to me after the show. She goes, please don't go home and kill yourself. You're very talented and funny. Oh, I've like, had that one before. Like- seriously going to go home yeah. and kill myself, but, you know. I used to say from stage, if I really hated the town, I said, I want to go to the top of your tallest building and jump off, and I won't die, I'll just be in a wheelchair. So for the rest of the time, whenever I look at the wheels, I'll remember why I'm never coming back to your monkey fucking town again. That's how he would close the show sometimes. Yeah. And people would come, don't jump. <laughs> it's not worth it. You're funny. You're funny. Don't jump. Like, they thought I was seriously going to kill myself. People do take it seriously, but, I mean, like, it's, uh, I I wanted to talk about this because we because Greg Giraldo passed away mm-hmm. and uh, it was it's upsetting when somebody like that uh, we lose them like when when uh, Richard Jenny passed away and Greg Giraldo they're both super talented and people Robert Schimmel I Robert mean literally Schimmel. in the last few months it's been it's been bad I mean I never saw Greg Giraldo live I obviously saw him on television I saw, him. I saw I mean I seen him like at Just for Laughs walking around but I've never done a show with him or or saw him live I saw him live in but, Minneapolis and oh, okay amazing comedian yeah I mean I know the guy's funny I mean there's no doubt about super it super nice person. But it, I mean, and, it the, is... and the problem is he's he's famous for the roast, and it's not it's not a problem. But he is actually more than those roasts. I mean, his material is far more intelligent. I'm not knocking people who do the roast. I do a lot of those kinds of jokes too. But his comedy is far more intelligent than just you've got a big cunt and yeah. this is why your cunt's big. Yeah, which you have to do on those roasts, and I get that. But his comedy was was very very good. But when when somebody like that goes, it's very upsetting because yeah, I... yeah, even when you don't know him, it's kind of weird. It's it's very hard. And it, it, you you want to say things, you feel kind of of awkward saying anything about it because you didn't really know him. I met him once, and so that's right. all. That's it. He's a, a, a wonderful person. But I read also an article in uh, Psychology, Psychology Today. Psychology Today. Yeah. Uh, that he did an interview about failure, yeah. and I read that article. It was posted by another comic on Facebook, and <laughs> I sat in my room and cried for three hours because right. I was like, and you've even said we've all thought that we've all said yeah. that and everything. But when you think about it, and you're like somebody like Greg Giraldo, who is very successful, who has had his specials, who's had the things that I'm striving towards, yet he still thinks that he's a failure. And it's just like, why am I doing this? Am yeah. I going to think I'm a failure forever? I mean, not to take anything away from that article, because it is a very good article, yeah. The Psychology Today. And if you're out there listening and you are a fan of Greg Giraldo, you really should look up this article. It's very good, the interview. The problem is, is yeah, most of us have said a lot of that. I'm not taking away from him saying it. And, and the problem is, in Canada... All the things he's had, we dream that's our ceiling. Yeah, exactly. Right, And he's had that. And so it's very hard for Canadian comics to go, why are you so depressed? You yeah. know, But, of course, it's all about perspective because their ceiling is much higher than ours. And I, I said this week, that's why I Facebooked it. I said, you know, the difference between Canada and, and American show business is uh, our ceiling is the rim of their toilet. You know what I mean? Their ceiling is considerably higher than that, and that's the problem. So when you have someone like Greg Giraldo, Richard Jenny, who, you know, guy said afterwards, like Bill Maher, used the idea that he's playing the same clubs over and over again, headlining. That's a, that's a level of show business in Canada. That's a that's top. Huge. That's top. Yeah. The amounts of, uh, of income, but, you know, of course, money isn't everything. And when it comes to failure, you don't judge how well you're doing by your T4 statement or your tax return. You judge it by the amount of love that you you feel for yourself, and, you, and that's the problem. There's and not think, a lot of love there. I mean, comedy has never—every time anyone has said anything to me about getting into comedy, when you first begin, people that come in and say, I'm going to be famous, I'm going to be rich, well, oh, yeah. then get out of comedy because yeah. it's not going to happen. Like, I mean, it happens one in every 500 comedians that starts is going to 
make money and be famous. Well, th- but 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 seriously, like if you want to get into stand up comedy and if you're in stand up comedy, you're in it because you love doing it. Right. And um, it's it shouldn't be about the money. And I think that's what it was though. Is it's not about him getting paid all his money. It was part of the article was that he would look at himself and be like, I'm not working as hard as I should be. I could be doing better. Why can't I get myself to sit down and write for a, a, an entire day? Yeah. So it's, it is one of those things where you're just like, Oh, it was, it was crazy. It was upsetting. And I called my, my friend just bawling and she's like, and I said, I do feel like a failure all the time. I feel well, like course. a failure. And she, <laughs> she started laughing at me. She's like, you're ridiculous. You, packed everything up you left edmonton you went yeah. to toronto you're following your dreams and i'm like but i can't barely pay my rent she's like but you're doing things that most people wish that they had the balls to do so that made me feel better about myself. But the thing is what most people don't realize and not to make this so oh we're all so special people um when you're when you're like i don't know what's for you for me i always wanted to be a stand-up comic so when i was nine or ten i wanted to be a stand-up comic and a lot of guys want to be astronauts a lot of guys want to be doctors or firemen that's all i ever wanted to do so for me, do I see myself as a failure? Yes, all the time. But when you actually sit down and you think of everything that you've done to attain this goal that you wanted to do, like I don't care who what people in this industry think about me in the end because I've done what I've wanted to do for almost 20 years. And very few people can be a child wanting to do something and then go attain it. If I have to quit tomorrow because I've burned too many bridges or been too much of a cunt, I will be happy in knowing that I at least got to do for 20 years, which is a long time, what I wanted to do with my life. Um, is there failure? There's always going to be failure. There's failure if you're a banker. There's failure if you work at a fucking yeah. accounting firm. There's always going to be failure. But you have to not get so far down the rabbit hole that you can't see the light. And I think that's the problem with guys like um, I don't know, maybe about Greg Giraldo when he gave that article or that interview or other guys like Richard Jenny, which is sad to me that there isn't anyone there who's telling him like your friend did. Fuck, man, wake up. You yeah. know, you're you're an amazing talent. You know, Richard Jenny wasn't a fucking amazing comic. Yeah. And I think maybe he just lost track of why he got into comedy, which is very easy to do as a stand up. You lose track of why you're doing it. A lot of comic friends of mine have been 25 years. They bitch and complain. They haven't written a new joke in five years. I'm yeah. like, what the fuck is your problem? You got into this to write jokes and you're not doing that. Exactly. And that's and that's the problem. Exactly. And that's why it's, <laughs> I laugh so hard when people are like, comedians must be so much fun to hang around with. I'm like, no, it's a lot of talk about our therapy sessions. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, and you also got to remember, like, for example, I've already had more free time than both my parents have combined. And they're in their 60s. My parents work fucking hard. You yeah. Know? They worked. I have like some weeks I only work three hours a week. Of course, there's a lot of mental anguish that goes along with that three hours. I take care of my kids. But in terms of work hours, it's not that difficult. It's an easy job once you get into it. And yeah, I think that's what some people will they say. Lose perspective. Yeah, you totally lose perspective. Okay, this week's show, we're going to be coming back from the break. We're going to be interviewing uh, Dan Gallia and also Angelo Sarukas from Los Angeles. So we will be back. Now with 20% more brand to keep you regular. From the bump, this is Anything Goes with Darren Frost, Dave Martin, and Kathleen McGee. Show me on the dial where the bad man touched you. This is Anything Goes with Darren Frost, Dave Martin, and Kathleen McGee. All right, we're back from the break, and in the studio, our fabulous studio, is uh, a Boom member, sketch comedy troupe from the Boom, Dan Gallia. Dan, how you doing? Not bad. How are you? I'm doing well, doing well. That's he's, good. He's sitting in for Dave Martin today, so... 
So we're going to have to make fun of you and belittle you. Yeah. Aww, I feel special, guys. <laughs> Already, right out of the gate. <laughs> um, so just a, a quick explanation of what the boom is. Uh, I can say it's a sketch troupe, but you, you can do it better than I can. Yeah, we uh, like to refer to ourselves as a skit gang, just because sketch troupe is so snobby, you know? Right. I like skit gang. Yeah, yeah, skit gang. We're more of a gang anyways. If you ever see us, we look like we could fight, and we... <laughs> You know, and your parents ask you. So, uh, are you still doing those little skits? Yeah. So we, you know, it's it's easier this way. You're, yeah, me and my skit gang are still doing those little skits. Yeah. So, and when you come into town, you can rumble another sketch troop for superiority. And- exactly. And also, like when you're, you know, when you're in New York or something, and some guys like, uh, "What do you do?" It's like you say sketch troop. You sound yeah. like you're in like brownies or something. You know? It's like you know, you're in a skit gang, and then the guy doesn't want to fuck with you. So. Now, nope. you guys do, like, it's a monthly show Yep. every do. month at the supermarket. First Thursday of every month at the supermarket, Okay, yeah. and is there any other monthly shows, or is that the one? Uh, that's the one that we do. We kind of, uh, that's the one we focus on making our own big show sort of right. thing. And uh, we, we try to do a bunch of, like, uh, other shows in the city just to get our names out. Right. We're doing, like, uh, for instance, uh, tonight we're doing, like, the Humber show. They have a Humber sketch night now at Comedy Bar. Okay. And last night we did Second City, Keith Pedro. Did a big show there. And, uh, so, like, you guys would be just a guest on a show, not so much the headliner, but just, a like, a variety show, and you exactly. guys are a member of it. Yeah, it's always good to do those uh, other shows because yeah. there's a whole other audience there that might want to come to uh, the, big, the big one on Thursdays. So Now, one thing that I've noticed because I've done your show is normally the sketch world and the stand-up world and the improv world are very separate and very against each other, and they all want to rumble. <laughs> Listen, Was I it... don't have too much of a <laughs> – my problem is not with sketch. It's with improv, but we're not. Okay, well, we won't go there. <laughs> Give me an article of clothing and occupation, and, yeah. I'll, and I'll put you to fucking sleep. Yeah. No, I, I, I don't mean that. Here, here's yes, my you here, do. okay. Here's my theory about improv, and then we'll get into that. See, the problem with improv is great improv is amazing, but it's it, hard to it, find. It is amazing, but the problem is bad improv is just bad. Whereas bad stand up can be watched and still laughed at. Yeah. That's the only saving grace of stand-up when yeah. it's bad. We still can go, this guy's by himself and he fucking thinks this is funny. Yeah. You know, bad improv is just going nowhere. So but that's... also you can't be one – you can't just be one good improviser because like right. if you're in a group and you're one good improviser, then the, you, you're you just going to get screwed. Yeah. Because everybody else around you is going to be a cheese fest. Yep. And you're going to be the one good guy in the middle and it's not going to work still. Yeah, Have you ever I mean. been that guy? What's it like to be that guy? Ugh, yeah, I think we've all been that guy. Just Honestly, like you know, know that you're good and it then happens these at auditions. That's where it oh, happens the, the most because you go into an audition and you know your shit and you're like, I'm going to do this. And then you sit down and then the guy beside you goes, <laughs> and you're like, okay, well. Hopefully they're not casting duos right now because, <laughs> you know, you, right. you think I could do well, but I'm, I'm sitting next to this guy and it's it's horrible. But in, on your show, you, you generally have like two or three stand-ups and you have other kind of groups on. So it is kind of more of a mesh of comedy than the average kind of sketch show. I think so. Like we're, we're a variety show. We're like uh, the boom loves stand-up, mm-hmm. especially uh, we have our people. You know what I mean? Like there's like a really, really small group of – of people that we really, really, really like, and Who we always have. Who is the Boom back. a fan of? The Boom is a fan of Darren Frost, of course. Nikki Payne, Nikki Payne is Boyd. another one. Boyd's, Boyd's done, done it a bunch of times. Boyd Banks, and like, yeah. We've gotten uh, Deborah DiGiovanni's yep. just did the show last night, and she just she's murders. amazing. Yeah, like it's insane watching her. Yep. Like, I, and we all learn from everybody too. Like, I, I like having people from the industry come and do the Boom show because uh, the Boom's really young. I'm I'm a little older. 
and uh, they're they're all learning still. And oh, like, are you like, the oldest person in the troop? I'm the oldest person. Oh, okay, in I didn't the know that. Right okay, now. and uh, and how many members are there right now? Uh, ten. Ten. Okay. And it's just just having like someone like Darren or like Nikki around. It's like they they just suck it up. You know what I mean? And it's like it's like they're kind of uh, sucking up those powers. And I, I like to have people around like that. Right. And in terms of when you have ten people, it's like is each show kind of divided up into. So certain guys are writing so many sketches, or is it just who's not really working that month on anything else will probably take the reins for a show? Like, how well, yeah, is the show? Good. Ten people works like this. It's like it's perfect because there's always a month where somebody wants to take it take it off, or something's happening, right. or they can't do as much. So or they're booked whenever on those months or... happen, it's like you got ten more people or nine more people that can and fill in that month. You know right. what I mean? So there's always months where some people are heavier, some people are lighter, but everyone knows that at the end of the year, it usually balances out, and it's usually because of themselves. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So they kind of control their own destiny. There's some people in the troupe that they just love the stage time so much that they'll never take a month off, and they write five sketches a week. You know what I mean? Yep. So it's like those people are obviously going to be in the show more, and yeah. that's just the way it's always worked. So it's it's just it's a perfect kind of place where you... You just put in the work and you can get whatever you want out of it. Now, you guys have stayed pretty cl- local to Toronto in terms of like Canada, but I know you've made a couple trips down to New York City in the past and you've got another one that might be coming up. Or... Yeah, well, we're hoping to go back to New York in about four months. Uh, the boom kind of divided earlier in the year just because uh, we were thinking of starting a monthly show in New York. Um, Still could happen. It's just uh, it it was a lot harder than I thought it would be, to be <laughs> yeah, honest with yeah, you, yeah. Uh, even just getting it together. And uh, we made a lot of good connections down there, which is, I guess, the main thing. And now if we do put a show on in New York, uh, we can definitely get some pretty awesome comedians. Uh, I guess like Colin Quinn was really nice to us when we were down there. Right. And there's just a lot of really nice people. You know yep. what I mean? So. Mick Foley, the wrestler. Yeah, hey. Big fan of the boom. Yeah. So he said he'd come and do a show if we ever went to New York. That's cool. So, yeah, we got a few nice people. And we went to L.A. also uh, earlier last year, and we sold out uh, a show there. Okay. Selling out one show is a start, you know, guys? It's exciting, especially in a bigger city, bigger times. It's harder for a troupe because a stand-up, there's venues already built in. And I'm not saying there isn't a network of sketch venues and places that can help, but it's not as obvious as stand-up is. No. You have to be creative. Like, I I mean, when we were in uh, New York last time, we were looking for places just to get up and do stuff, mm-hmm. and they don't exist. Yeah, and I know. basically, we ended up going to uh, a bunch of uh, comedy clubs that were doing amateur stand-up and uh, paying $5 each and, yeah. dr- and having to buy a drink, you know? And then uh, I, I kind of had this thing where... Uh, we put together this way of doing our show because uh, the boom also consists of several stand-ups. Like Desiree Lavoie is a good stand-up yep, yep. and Keith Pedro and uh, there's a bunch of them. So basically the way I did it is I asked for a 15-minute spot on an amateur stand-up night in New York. And then I would uh, have Des open for us. So in our 15 minutes, we'd make a little boom show. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah, sure. And Des would do some stand-up, like maybe like five minutes of stand-up. Then we'd do like 10 minutes of sketch, and then we'd close out with another five minutes of stand-up. Right. And it went over huge. Yeah, it's like, like a calling card show. That's exactly. perfect. Yeah. And people loved it. Like, we did really well. We had our own little kind of containment unit on stage. Yep. And uh, the lady that, usually the person that ran the show always asked us to come back because it was just different. Right. You know? Well, there's also that whole great thing about sketch. It's a gang mentality. Even if it's not going great, you both you all can have fun inside that moment. Exactly. Where stand up when you're dying, and you're dying, and there's not much fun in it. And yeah, you're dying and with, by yourself. That's yeah. the one thing about like <laughs> true. 
Like stand-up versus sketch, and I think that's what people, you know, it's just you're by yourself, and in stand-up you're writing your own jokes, you're yeah. completely responsible yeah. for everything, but in sketch you have other people to hold you up, so it's like a band. No, it's I think in that... sketch is a de-stressor, stand-up stresses me out, like <laughs> I, I've always wanted to be a stand-up. Do you do stand-up at all? I try my ass off, but I <laughs> honestly don't get it, like I just, I, I think that I have to, something's got to click one day where I'm like, I want to go out five days a week. And do a show because this is what stand-ups do. The ones that are successful yep, yep. are working really hard at it and they go out every day and they do this shit. And I'm like, wow, I did a show and I'm exhausted. Yeah. Like it's exhausting to me because I, I get so stressed out. And I even before the show, I'm like, I don't want to go. I don't want to go now. The, the, the problem is, is that stand-up, when you see it on television, is already generally years down the, down the pipe and it's been groomed and yeah. you see it. Whereas sketch... Unless you count SNL and Mad TV, there's not that much out there no. that's amazingly portrayed on television. Yeah. So you don't think the the path is that long. Yeah, and even those people, like they get paid to practice and write sketch yeah. Oh, yeah. every day of the week. Yeah, I get together with the Boom once a week, <laughs> yeah. and we four hours. It's like ADD <laughs> has contagiously struck in throughout the whole troupe. So. And what's the holy grail of sketch? Like, I know stand-ups have goals. W- one of my goals is an HBO special and also to host the AVNs, the Porn Awards. That is one of my stand-up goals. But, like, for sketch, what is it? Is it Saturday Night Live? Is it... I think uh, I think everyone's different. I mean, like, Saturday Night Live is obviously, like, could be considered the holy grail, but it, it changes so much. Like, I'm not a huge... Saturday Night Live fan right now. You know what I mean? Like, But that I, could change in be, three years. Exactly. You know? It changes yeah. it could all change the time. Year, yeah, that's so. the thing about that show. Right? That show's amazing that it's been on for so long and it just goes up and down and up and down and yeah. I love that it's they've kept it. It's a self-contained uh, yeah. like, like dynasty now at this point. But like, I think for us, uh, the boom anyways, it's like we're looking to make a feature film or get our own show, which is like... It's really hard to get on show. Very hard in Canada. <laughs> it's uh, very, we, we've very had meeting hard. after meeting after meetings with different people, and it's yep. just like you know every meeting is a little step, but there's so many steps, it's insane. I I've seen I've seen a lot of talented sketch troops either get a pilot and it doesn't go anywhere, and you don't know why. And I don't want to get into a rant about Canadian show business, but it does become a little bit disappointing when I hear of someone that I actually like get something, a and pilot, it go and it doesn't go anywhere. How it's many times like, does that happen? Like, honestly, I think number. I've seen I've seen myself three that I've gone to because like, right. they have them live. Sure, the you go and go and support, yeah. And I, I was like, this is amazing. I can't wait to watch this. Yeah. And then it never sees the light of day. And you're yeah. like, Wow. I'm scared. And then now. fucking Keys the VIP eight on ice <laughs> yeah. comes out, and you're like, "All right, this is what I wanted for my comedy network." Oh my god, no, Keys to the VIP me. needs to be murdered, murdered. Yeah, I know. Don't get me started. I I want. I want to get I, on that show. I want to get on that show fuck. and be like, I'm gonna pick some, pick up some dudes. This is the thing about that show, though. They should have people like me on that show. Yes, because yeah. like normal guys. I don't want to watch a guy that's a womanizer yeah. go on that no. show. I want to see a guy like me who's gonna go up to a chick and get slapped in the face, yes, not because exactly. I'm a dick, but because I'm so awkward. Yeah, that I can't possibly have a small talk with. Let's do the real keys to VIP. Let's <laughs> yeah. start that. that yeah. I would watch that show because it would be uh, amazing. What about like a troop like Broken Lizard that did Super Trooper? Yeah, like that's that, that's like, what you want. That's, that's more the guide, I think, right now. Yeah, right? that is exactly I think what you have to do. And you know, what? like half the battle is if you can actually conjure up enough people to help you and yep. put together something that looks good. Nobody can ever deny something that looks good. So. If you bring a finished product to some people, it just means so much more. But getting that finished product for free or cheap is such a different Difficult. story. Like, 
you need to pay people. To but have also, the, the internet is the great equalizer. It yeah. definitely helps uh, troops and ability to put their little shorts on. And their little shorts are so derogatory. The way I said that. <laughs> their little, their little skits. They just slip in. But you know what I mean. Short. They're short. They're short, <laughs> smaller videos. And then someone sees it and goes, "Well, if these guys did this with two hundred bucks, imagine if I gave them two thousand. Yeah. And that's how it all starts. And well, if you works, can figure yeah. out like viral, like I mean, yeah. like I know for a fact, like if you get. Like uh, if you have a video and it gets like more than a million hits right away and then you do another video and it gets more than a million hits, you can maybe get a television show. Like yeah. that is how it works now because you need to have a built-in fan base. That's, that's yes. the – Like look at John LaHoy who's you know the singer or whatever from Montreal. Yeah. And you his know, show – when he, he tried doing his show, it, yeah. it, it did not do very well. No. I think but nowadays – he got it yeah, from is, the, the 10 million hits of all his videos. I think nowadays you have to make something – and you have to put it out there, and you have to get somebody to help you. Like Danny McBride made the fist foot way. Right. He gave it to Will Ferrell. Will Ferrell and Adam McKay and those guys obsessed over it, yep. loved it. And now Danny McBride is doing movies, and and he's got his TV show. I think it's you just it's you've got to work your ass off. Still, uh, people think yeah, oh you, you get discovered overnight. Yeah, that helps. That does help. Yeah, yeah. But people you think, work your ass yeah. off, and then you just gotta find a way to be in a room. <laughs> people think YouTube discovers people, and it does. And then, you know, it discovered Justin Bieber and we all have issues with that. Right. But, but I mean, it does discover people, but it's not as easy as it, it's not as easy as just no. uploading a video. So are you saying the Internet was around even even sooner than Keys of VIP would never have happened? <laughs> Maybe. I'd have no cunt then. What do I keep shooting into for this? Nothing. Darren, I want to see you on Keys to the VIP. Oh, yeah. Let's just oh, do fucking, it. Let's just take a take video my camera shirt off into and rub butter on me. <laughs> I want to be your popcorn, baby. That's what oh I want my to God! Be. I, why don't they do this? You're That's the best brilliant. First line. Yeah. Brilliant. Brilliant. I want to be your popcorn, baby. Sexy. Oh yeah, hot. Now you guys have a CD. Let's talk about this because yeah. it is coming out. The, the boom and what's uh, it's called? Is it called just the boom? It's no, called no, the boom. Actually, it's uh, the CD is actually called the one three zero zero one seven one. The reason Ooh. why he thought it was called the boom is because. That number, 1300171, spells the boom in numbers. In a calculator? Oh. See what we did there? Like that boobless exactly. joke? Oh, nice. Yeah. I did not even pick that up. That's yeah. good. What so. grade were you in when you discovered the boob and the boobless <laughs> joke? Oh, man. It's probably grade one. That was amazing. Final yeah. year university. Because yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. when you finally learned how to read numbers. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> calculator. <laughs> I did it so much, I just ended up keeping a calculator with those numbers yeah. in my pocket. I can't spell oh, nothing with my abacus. <laughs> what Dan, are you talking about? Dan did it. So much that eventually seeing boob on a calculator yeah. gave him erection. Yeah. That's what yeah. it was. He is covering for Dave this week, isn't he? <laughs> yes, he is. He gets erections Me and Dave from have the same. weird things. Yeah. We both did that. Okay. <laughs> we'll, we'll keep going. Don't worry. Um, so let's talk about this, uh, the CD. Um, it's coming out when? Okay. So uh, the physical copy of the CD is out. You can pick it up at the Boom Show first Thursday of every month. Uh, it will be released uh, via the intraweb. Uh, on October 12th uh, via iTunes. Okay. Uh, you can get it on your phone if you have like TELUS, Rogers, Bell. It's going to be released on all those places. Okay. Uh, it's also going to be released on HMV.com and uh, just a myriad of uh, online outlets. Barry Taylor, uh, Comedy Records, they really hooked us up with some uh, pretty cool things. So, uh, And same with XM. We recorded the whole thing here at XM. Right. So, they're very nice and let us do it free of charge. Okay, so we're going to play a track now, so just so people can get an idea what the, the uh, CD is. Sorry we're going to play a track nine, Children's History. Oh, Kevin, dear, I'm going to make a jug of Kool-Aid. So what? But you love Kool-Aid. You always make it too weak. When I was at Freddy's house, his mom put tons of powder in it and it was awesome. 
But putting that much powder in isn't healthy. I don't give a fuck. Just put in lots of sugar. Oh, Kevin, what will I do with you? Hi, I'm the Booms Tim Dorsch, and I'm here to talk to you about a brand new product that will make parenting a dream. They are called the Children's History Textbook Series. In these well-crafted hardcover volumes, you will find detailed accounts of some of history's darkest moments complete with first-hand testimonials and graphic pictures. Oh my God! And here's the best part. We've rewritten all of the stories so that they can help take the pressure off of you, the parent. Let's see how little Kevin feels about his Kool-Aid now. So all the people in Jonestown died terrible deaths because Mr. Jones accidentally made the Kool-Aid with too much powder? Yes. Yes, they did. I don't ever want to drink Kool-Aid again. And that's just how easy it is, folks. Give us a call now. We have a book for virtually every problem a parent faces today. Check out some of these titles. September 11th, a story about the pilots who didn't get to bed on time. The Great Depression. A country learns to rake the leaves before dad comes home. And of course, our number one bestseller, The Holocaust. If only the Jews had done the dishes after school like they were asked. Let's check back in on Kev. And all the folks in Jonestown writhed and screamed in pain as the Kool-Aid powder coursed through their quickly decaying veins. Please stop! Thank you, Tim Dorsch. Oh, 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 all in a day's work. So call now. Operators are standing by. Unfortunately, due to an unrelated series of criminal charges, I'm no longer eligible to accept credit cards, so it'll have to be cash only, folks. Call now. The Children's History Textbook Series is not licensed by any education boards in North America. Okay, uh, so that was Children's yeah. History. Like I said, sorry. <laughs> Uh, I listened to it before the show. I thought it was a very funny track. So that's a kind of a good idea of what the whole CD is. They're yeah. all uh, sketches. It's not like an interwoven or anything. No. They're all separate sketches. No, right? we were like uh, we were really trying to like uh, hone the Adam Sandler esque. Right. Yeah, we all we were all fans of those Adam Sandler CDs oh, when we were growing up. Yeah. I mean, we just wanted to do a straight up sketch comedy CD that has a little bit more edge to it because uh, there's a lot of stuff out there, and we just wanted to see if we could. Uh, but to my knowledge, in Toronto, I mean, back in the 90s, like the Frantics used to do CDs and stuff like that. But up till recently, I don't know if is, – has there been any other troops in uh, the GTA that have released their own CD? I don't want to speculate. I think uh, Smells Like the 80s is a sketch troupe. They did a, a comedy CD a couple years ago. But uh, that's – honestly, that's the only one I've ever seen. Yeah, because I've been trying to keep my ear to the ground because I'm releasing my own stuff to know what everyone's kind of doing. And I have not seen a sketch uh, CD in a long time, so – yeah, we were just uh, that's that was the goal, and we said the next one's going to be all music. So it's going to be this one's a full sketch CD. The next one I think is going to be a base like a hip hop based uh, sketch kind of sketch comedy CD. Right. It's going to be a little weird. But, Why are you uh, so loud? You're like I don't know what I'm uh, hip hop. Do. I don't know <laughs> what the kids weird. want. It's a hippity hop with the comedy. I'm just going to wear my hat. I'm not going to bend the brim, <laughs> and I'm going to keep the sticker on it. This is weird because eh? it's not like it's going to be hip hop and comedy, but right. it's going to be a lot more hip hop. Just because it's just uh, we tried to spoof hip hop, and when you do that, it gets to be a lot worse than the real hip hop, which ends up being really good. Are you a part of? <laughs> like, I don't know, like, yeah. are you a part of sense. the rap battles? I know that they do them at the comedy uh, bar. You know once what? In a while. We've been we've been 
I'm, I love those guys, and they keep asking us to come and do them, and we haven't gone yet, but we want to go. I've well, when you release them. this other CD, you got to go fucking rap battle. Yeah, we gotta show ra- them. I think we definitely got a rap battle. You got to throw it down. <laughs> I did a rap battle in Edmonton when I hosted yeah, well, a show. Well, Edmonton. no, I did. <laughs> Whatever. Darren. Fucking rap battle. Edmonton rap battles. Edmonton rap battles. Yeah. And Jesus. one of the. No. <laughs> Give me a break. Was Dr. I fucking, Dre I go, there? I, yeah, I, I go to a store and get wrapping paper and wrap around myself. It's fucking better Listen, than it was the a rap battles in Edmonton. It was a bunch of white comics and my. And uh-huh. my, and my one black friend that I went with. What rhymes with uh-huh? I don't know. <laughs> but they know in Edmonton, don't they? Yeah. <laughs> no, Sean LaCombe went up, who's an Edmonton comic, and every right. single one of his- Rap bad rap, Shut up your face. <laughs> every single time he went up, he goes, my name is Sean LaCombe, and I'm here to say I like rap music in an awesome way. <laughs> Jesus fucking- is, Have we not progressed wow. past that? <laughs> no, not in Edmonton. Oh, oh my God. Not in Edmonton. Now we know what Eminem had to go through yeah. to make it- Hey, but I listen. Grandmaster no, Flash is like stabbing you know himself in the heart you know right what? now. I have a friend in Edmonton, and he is black, but he's from Toronto. Well, good thing you said he was black. <laughs> now go with your racism. You know go what? With, throw your racism down uh, now. I love him, right. and he is he, even though he's black. He <laughs> no, I love him because he's black. Oh, and he is uh, okay. a rapper. He's right? a rapper, and I have a shout out in one of his songs. As a white right. girl, I about peed myself. <laughs> and I was like, that's right. amazing. And he's legit. Like he's gonna be good. B money. Google B money. He's amazing. Right. But uh, my name is B Money, and I'm here to say <laughs> exactly. the Edmonton Mall is open all day. Whoa! Till 9 p.m. on the weekdays. <laughs> nice. 6 p.m. on Saturday. Take and that, Sunday. Sean Motherfucking Lacombra, huh? <laughs> Think you're all that in a bag of chips? One HBO special, please. Yeah, he raps. You already got a shout out on a fucking rap song. You're on your way. Avian <laughs> Awards, HBO specials. You know what? This girl is going, and she's gonna go far. Oh yeah. Whatever. One day I'll sleep with a rapper. That's all I'm saying. Um, so if people want to, we got to get back to our guest. So it's not all about Kathleen. <laughs> I, know, I know Dave's not here. Yeah. So, um, but I want to sleep with a rapper too one day. But. Oh, yeah. yeah. I sleep with a rapper on. <laughs> I, what do I get? I got fucking You're three safe. kids. Like a gift rapper, I got though. three fucking kids and eight mattresses pregnant in my fucking teens. I don't sleep with it's shit on. But, Dan, you want to sleep with a gift rapper. Like, you want to go to the Dufferin Mall yeah. at Christmas time and Just, sleep with a 50-year-old woman. <laughs> That's my dream. Because she volunteers to wrap gifts at the Dufferin Whatever. Mall she at Christmas. Let me tell you something. 50-year-olds, best hand jobs ever. <laughs> slow and easy. <laughs> They're not going to hurt their wrist. They're going to fucking be slow and easy. I have nothing against yeah. older women because I like older men, so. Right. Uh. All right. Okay. <laughs> so if, if, uh, wow. Okay. That's, we're going to leave that one alone. We're going to leave that one alone. Kathleen's the only one who gets fucking fan mail from this show anyways. I do. I from get fan old mail. dudes in from Texas. dudes in Texas. Wow. Yeah. I, love, you I know think what? you're pretty cool. I love my fan mail, and it's so funny because I emailed one of them back, and he's like, oh, my God, you emailed me back. I'm like, yeah, because you were the only person that yeah. emailed me this week. I'm like, you think, I, you think I'm getting, like, tons and Here, tons here's of Here's my next one. Here's my next one coming to you. I can see it. Dear Kathleen, I wrote a rap song about you and gave you a shout out. Where's does the blow job come in? <laughs> I'll be there in a week. Yeah. Wow. Okay, so people want to get in touch with the Boom. Where do they go? Give your website uh, a big plug. www.boomcomedy.com, or you can check out our blog at boomcomedy.tumblr.com. Okay, and the next official show is when? Uh, October seventh at the supermarket at nine o'clock sharp. It's never starting late, so make sure you're there on time. It always sells out. Yep, sold it does. Out every show for two years, it's yep. not going to stop. So. And who is to stand up this time? Uh, this month we have, uh, oh God, who is it? It's uh, The Boom with uh, Lindsay Ames is doing okay. sketches with us. And then uh, we have uh, Ryan Denis doing some yep. stand-up. Kingston, and, Ontario native boy, yep. Yeah, uh, Mike Rita. 
And uh, Mike Rita had a sex dream oh, about me. Oh, and actually, one of my favorite comics—not to take anything away from Ryan Denis, who will slaughter right. tonight—and same with Mike Rita. But Terry Clement. Is oh, also, Terry! Uh, we all love Terry. Show. Terry won't come on the show because he lives in Brampton. And he won't fucking come down here really? so he doesn't get stuck in traffic. <laughs> Terry! Terry! I know. I've told him six times. Come on the show. Bring ah, traffic. Cheryl on the show. Yeah. Come on. Terry. Yeah, bring Cheryl. Cheryl can sit in the corner with some fucking cow mask on, and then Terry will come. That's the only way to come. <laughs> Dude, that guy's amazing. I love Terry oh, yeah, Terry's so great. much. Yeah, he's one of those guys for the boom, too. We always like to have him back. Yeah, Terry's and, great. So Yeah. Okay, so if people, uh, please go to boomcomedy.com. And uh, when you're doing another show in a couple months, please come by. Maybe bring another guest like from the, from the troop, and we'll knock it out. Thank you so much, buddy. We'll rap battle. Wickety, wickety, what, what? I'm what? Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> right. Get ready to try and shower the filth off. This is Anything Goes with Darren Frost, Dave Martin, and Kathleen McGee. Wipe off your face, we're back. This is Anything Goes with Darren Frost, Dave Martin, and Kathleen McGee. Okay, now we're going to play you an interview that we did a few weeks ago with Angelo Sarukas, who was here for the uh, TIFF uh, Toronto International Film Festival because he had a movie coming out um, that eventually did not go in TIFF, but he was definitely here to celebrate its uh, its production. Um, we also talked to him about his stand-up career. He's uh, been a stand-up for 20 years. And this is a little bit of travel back in time with myself, Kathleen, and Dave Martin interviewing Angelo Sarukas. Okay, we're back from the break, and in the studio, a good friend of mine, Angelo Sarukas, coming off a headline week at the downtown Toronto Yuck Yucks, and with a movie coming out soon. How you doing, Ange? Hey, Frosty. How you doing, man? Good to be here. Doing really well. So how, how'd, yeah. the, how'd the week go? The week was really good. Yeah. You know, the uh, <laughs> we had a great week at the club, uh, really good turnout. Uh, lots of support. Uh, a lot of uh, old fans, uh, a lot of new fans came out and got to see all my friends here in Toronto, mm -hmm. like yourself and Dave Martin and new friends like Kathleen McGee. And... I know. I got to meet you the first time. I was very excited. <clears throat> yeah, it was great. And then, you know. Isn't she funny, Ann? She's, she's a funny. Fu she's a funny girl, man. Yep. I, I watched her. Uh, you were on the what, Thursday yeah. show, I think it was, and she ripped it up. I was yep. like, damn, this girl's funny. That's why we chose her. It was uh, so, Both Kathleen and I did a, uh, a guest uh, a spot on your show last night, and yeah. you must have had like, a super fan in the audience, because it was that one woman uh, near the end. She just kept on. She was like yelling out bits to you like you were fucking That jukebox. was driving me crazy, <laughs> she, I can imagine. You know, I... I I think every comedian prides himself on trying to write new material. And this uh, 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 woman stands up, and it turns out I kind of knew her from sort of... She used to be married to a friend of mine, and I can see why she's not married anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and she just stands up. I mean, I'm going into this whole bit, right, that we're doing something really good. And she just goes, excuse me, can you do your stuff from It's All Greek to me? I mean, that's what I came to listen to. And then... Rather than get nasty with her because the audiences tend to be different, I said, well, this isn't like fucking video on demand. Right. You know, you know, when do you stop a comedian in the middle of something? And what I did, rather than because of the, the way my audience has become now, rather than go at her, you know, 
You know, uh, I, mean, I wish it was. Fro- I wish it interrupted Frosty. Yeah, that yeah, would have yeah. been a fucking yeah, that would amazing. I would have been watching that. I said, "Well, yeah. why don't we?" I did it. Like, why don't we? Take hey, a Darren, poll? why don't you do your bits from "It's All Greek to Me"? <laughs> yeah, fuck the Greeks. That's what I say. Yeah, what were you saying about Greeks earlier, though, Darren? <laughs> uh, they're not a lot came out to see Anne this week. All why? The, all the whiteies came because they're too busy fucking each other in the ass. <laughs> yes, that's why. You know, and they said a Greek. Did the Greeks invent anal sex? No, we made it popular. You made it popular. <laughs> and so you're still I, doing it popular. after all these years? Yeah, well, you know, this is the deal, uh, uh, Kathleen. If you look at, you know... Even I love Greek, Greek food, Greek, shit, everything. Greek. I want to be Greek. Okay, well, you want to be Greek? Well, yeah. Greek I, like, I like how Greek is now a verb. So. It's, a, it's a verb. <laughs> I mean, it goes back to Ulysses' voyage, right? I mean, you're on, uh, you're rowing in a boat with, you know, 100 other guys named George and Costa for 15 years. <laughs> His hairy ass starts looking good off the coast of Corsica. So. But I do have about an inch of Greek in me because not like that pervert. But uh, my uncle, we were we were doing a history, and my uncle's last name is Nikafork, and they looked into it, and they're like, "Oh, they're Greek," and I'm yep. like, "Yay! I'm part Greek. There's I can smash plates." There's Greek, so it, but it's uh, but this woman going back to this woman last night at the club. I mean, she just it's amazing how they're they listen to some of your stuff and this. Uh, and it's just nuts. And she kept standing up. You saw yeah, her. Man. And it was like, well, I, I came here expecting this. So, I don't know. She was nuts. I mean, I banged her. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, but, of course. No, I, but you're good to your fans. That's but I'm good to my fans. That's right. what I'm saying. But, I mean, that's funny because I know that people went to go. Like, I remember, this is years ago, but I know someone who went to go and see Dennis Leary. And someone stood up halfway through the show and said, hey, aren't, aren't you going to do something that's not on uh, No Cure for Cancer? And then it was this almost, it was the opposite <laughs> last night. There was a woman who actually wanted you to almost do your well, DVD live. They- yeah, but and, and what I thought was kind of interesting is like, but your onstage persona is that sort of like very, very likable, fun-loving guy that you could you're very approachable and yeah, on, it, stage. on stage, on stage, and it almost would seem like <laughs> that no one would have a problem with interrupting you because it's like, oh, I'm just interrupting my buddy Ange. Yeah, it's like, no, you're right. It's like you know they they think uh, we're on the Danforth or you're yeah. at my house or something. Hey, Ange, I know you're doing your show. <laughs> Hold on, what the fuck? Can you? I didn't come here to listen to new, fresh material. Yeah. I want to hear the shit I know. It's like... Wow. Fucking, can't, you can't even walk anywhere in Toronto without Angelo. Someone coming up and speaking Greek. If you're on the Danforth, which is the Greek part of Toronto, yeah. it's like fucking walking with the Duke of Kensington, for God's sake. King you of can't, Kensington. King of, whatever it is. The yeah, Duke, Duke, Duke of, of Kensington. Duke of Danforth. Duke of Danforth. That's, the, that's it, right. <clears throat> that was the but, show we were trying to pitch the CBC. But anyway... We we used to meet for lunch, and I started out with, yeah. let's meet here and we'll walk. Now I'm like, fuck it. We meet at the restaurant, and I'll give you the half an hour to walk to 10 feet and talk to every fucking person, kiss their ring, have some but, girls shaking their boots. I'm a big fan, Ange. No, but it's funny. on It's on um, even on the Danforth. People, people, why are people fucking dumb? I was on yesterday, and they, hey, uh, this is what the guy asked me. Hey, when are you back uh, doing shows in Toronto? I'm in fucking Toronto. I'm here. Yeah. What do you mean? What am I back? Yeah. I've been all week. week. Yeah. yeah. You know, these are the che- those are the guys that want freebies. Yeah. Well, of course they are. Yeah. You know. Yeah, oh, next oh, time oh you're doing up. a show here. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to pay to support you or watch you, but uh, I want to come in for free. Yeah, I know. It's it's kind of like <clears throat> I don't know. It's like uh, it was fun. I was, and you know, I saw a lot of. I, I, I have to say this. Um, uh, the comedy in Canada is so much better. Well, yeah. I yeah. mean, I, I listen. You know, I've been in LA working at the clubs, man. Mexican, this, uh, and fill in the blank, this. Yep. Black Mexican, this, that shit, shit, my dick, this. 
I, I came here, I said, holy fuck, man. Comics are fuck. That's why everybody asks, why is the talent so good from Canada? Because we, we tell read. jokes. We yeah, tell we jokes. Read. Yeah. Uh, I mean, hey, Frosty, you were yeah. just in L.A. We were day- you go to the club, I mean, and I'm not trying to smack on L.A., but <clears throat> I was in Cleveland doing the improv. I had to dumb it down. The guy came up to me and said, look, and I'm not, the, I'm not like Derek Edwards or that really right. wordsmith kind of. That's not me. Right. They still didn't get it. Oh, my right. God. Scot- references like Scotland and this and, and using words like metaphor. <laughs> we, you know, we talk you had, about. You had to use a metaphor for metaphor? I want to make sure I understand you. I walked down the street and I met a four. Met a whore. <laughs> so it, it is nice to do comedy in Canada and. You don't, you know, it's that it's like the joke I did is you don't miss it till you're not here. Yeah. And then you're there going, because a lot of the guys, like I'll see like Jay Malone in LA and some of the other guys, and you realize, for the exception of the Comedy Magic Club, which I think is the best great club, club. Great club, yeah. The, I mean, the two, my two favorite clubs to play at in the States are Caroline's on Broadway in New York, Comedy Magic Club in, mm-hmm. in, uh, Los, in Hermosa Beach. Beach yep. Fantastic. But <clears throat> the rest of the time, you're following guys. Five Asian guys talking about, oh, listen, small dicks and they can't drive. Yeah. Everyone's the same. The same. And that's. I found LA to be pretty, pretty generic. Like, very, there's, I mean, there were a few people that were really different and cool. Yeah, but but I mean, that's that's actually not fair to LA in terms of there are great comics in LA. And there are very shitty comics. Yeah. But the problem is there's just too many comics. Yeah, exactly. So the good comics sometimes get pushed aside for a lot more shittier ones. For someone who has a TV credit. Yeah. Yeah. I I always love it when what Angela was describing. I always love it when people use their own stereotypes against themselves. Yeah. That's always one of my favorite parts. I was also always curious. Uh, how much do you do you make uh, being Canadian a part of your act at all when you're in the states? Because it <clears> almost <throat> seems like that they would almost be against it. Like, ooh, you had us get us fooled for a while. They, they don't I, like. That's why. That's why it's funny. I can come to Toronto and tell them how. Look, they don't. They don't like hockey. Yeah. Yeah. To them, Canada's like a North Mexico. Yeah. Right. I can't believe you, you know, got those tickets either, though. The, we were talking on those about. Th- the tickets were. And, and here's the deal. It's like you know. They, oh, hockey, you know, we can't, you know, I don't know. I just don't get it. You know, it's all, you, all they, you fight and you say, A. No, we. <laughs> what the fuck, you know? Yeah. And then and then the whole thing is, like you said, uh, I find, um, especially in Los Angeles, and, and Darren's right. He, there are so many good yes. comedians yeah. that you can see in L.A. And there's a lot, of, uh, but, you know, the guys who, uh, it's a pecking order. Uh, I'm at the uh, Laugh Factory two weeks ago. Uh, I'm going on, uh, Dane Cook uh, shows up, does like an hour, mm-hmm. you know, because Dane's the guy there right now. Right, still, yeah. And then Al Delbeni comes on. And they're funny guys. And then what they basically did is now Al brings a guitar on. I remember like Sean Cullen yep. with the Juice Pigs. They, you know, him and the, what's the guy's name, uh, his friend? Phil, Phil Nickel or? Not Phil, the other guy no. he does Dylan, it with. Dylan, Dylan. And then, you know, they, they take somebody from the audience. Oh, what's your name? Oh, Kathleen. It's your birth. It's Kathleen's birthday. Show us your, you know, that, that yeah. whole thing. And it's, oh, we found a new thing to do for another 45 minutes. Right. So now I was supposed to go on at 1230 at the factory, midnight Friday. It's quarter to two. Oh, my God. <clears throat> and then uh, Shang, this other comic, showed up. I understand. And, yeah. you know, Shang, he was there. And he goes, oh, you're just hanging out, man? I go, I haven't gone on yet, bro. Yeah. Brian Scalero. I mean, so <clears throat> that what happens there is that. The big fish eat the small fish yeah. constantly. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> there was one comic here who said, well, I'm coming to L.A. You think you get me some spots? I said, sure. He was like, will I get paid? No. Yeah, no. right. And you're lucky you can get a spot. Yeah. So uh, I said, that's that's the difference here. And that's why I think, <clears throat> I'll go on record for saying, I think 
Canadians are better comedians and actors. We have to be. Yeah, it's true. You, yeah. you, you, it's it's rougher to make a living out of it in Canada, but then I think it's even harder in the U.S. Only because you're constantly changing. Like Dave said, if I talk about being Canada, I subtly will bring it into the act eventually. <clears throat> when I, I do the joke about when I went to England, you know, uh, are you from or Scotland? Are you from New York? I said no, I'm from a small town outside of New York called Canada. Right. You know, yeah. and they sometimes get that, and yeah, then they sometimes go. They don't. Well, I thought you were from. They always think I'm from Wisconsin or Chicago or Queens. Yeah. Know, so I always get that you're from the mid. I would whenever I'm down there, they always say, "Well, you sound like you're from the Midwest," mm. which I'm like, "Well, I don't know." So a lot of comics dream about playing New York City. You played Carolines. When did you play Carolines? Yeah. I was in Carolines in uh, uh, February. And was that your first time as kind of like a a big spot <clears throat> yeah. on that? Like a whole week, right? Yeah, the it was week? a whole week. It's funny. Um, the uh, the uh, ma- management at the club, they saw the Showtime special, and he's a big fan. And he saw me in Montreal, I think, at Just for Laughs also. And it's uh, funny. I just got a phone call one day, and it's like, hey, Ange, um, you know, it was, uh, you know, Louis Ferrand at the Carolines, and he goes, uh, I really like your stuff, man. I want you to come to New York. And uh, it's funny because it's it's one of those clubs you want to play. It's like, you know. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, Paul Mooney plays there all the time and Kevin James and all those guys. And, you know, guys like uh, Jay Olkerson and, you know, the yep. guys, you know them, Darren. And it's so funny. And he said he got a lot of grief from a lot of that. It's the same thing. There's It's territorial. Pecking order, yeah. Pecking order. He got a lot of grief from the New York comics going, well, who's this guy, right? He's not from New York. I mean, why is he? But they work at it differently. He goes, I'm a fan of his. So I got to do it. Um, Gilbert Gottfried was doing his show before mine. And I worked with him a long time ago, like in Hamilton and stuff. You know, mm-hmm. we've all had those. Emo Phillips, Gilbert Gottfried, um, you know, uh, what's his name? Screech. Yes. I think yeah. Frosty no, we did a thing with him. We don't even say his real name. We don't even say his real name. He's forever Screech. Yeah. I remember me, him, and, and Nikki Payne in Windsor, Ontario, and I just want to punch him in the head. It's the noise I make when I cut my fucking cock yeah, off yeah. so I make sure the earth doesn't continue. <laughs> and you don't have more kids. But, no, but what... New York was great, and, and the nice thing about New York City is that the, the audiences are great in New York, and they get to play a club like that. And it's and you know it's funny uh, sometimes the because uh, people a lot of comics were calling me after saying man how'd you get that gig you know it's such a great club to play and I go the guy just called yeah yeah they watch they look they yeah if you're fun to me if you're funny it'll happen it may it may take twenty five years yeah but it'll happen people are gonna start to see you and be like okay this person is funny and like I mean it happens to a lot of people like uh, well, well Russell's doing his twenty five year yeah, tour he's been. Yeah. Doing it forever, and he's and he is the he's what you know is seems impossible as a stand up comedian. Yeah. Now, we should also say you keep saying Russell, we should say it's Russell Peters. Russell Peters, Peters. Yeah. that's who we're talking about. Sure. Ange, Ange tours quite a bit with uh, Russell, and yeah, is very we're all good friends with Russell, but you've spent yeah. a lot of time with him the last couple of years. And he's going, you know, he's going now next week. Uh, I just talked to him last night, he's going to England uh, next week. I mean. Here, you know, uh, people go, well, what's he, what's he doing? What, what's, what, what venues is he playing? He's doing the O2 Wireless. Arena. Yeah, I know. And he's 21,000 people each night. And then yeah. and then uh, the NIA Center in Birmingham, another, so 60,000 people, three oh shows. How many God. yucks shows do you got to do to get 60,000 <laughs> yeah. people? I don't, I, don't, I don't think in 20 years I've hit 60,000. Yeah, you, you can't count that high. <laughs> now, what, what's the biggest size crowd that you've, you've played to? Well, uh, I was told last year, uh, last year, yes, uh, just for laughs. Uh, remember when they did that big outdoor show? Yeah, yeah. Yep, yep. It was a uh, Toronto police estimate was 31,000 people wow. at Dundas Square. Right. 
And then when we got there, <clears throat> what happened was the Just for Laughs wanted to do it, and they said it was Russell and Friends, but I was under the impression I was hosting. Right. Remember? And then yep. I, <clears throat> I told Frosty this. I said it was like, and when we got there, it was Steve Burt. So Russell goes, no, no, I'm hosting. Steve's going to go on first. You're closing it. Oh. So it was like over 30,000 people wow. in Toronto, and we got to throw the pitch at the Blue Jays game. And then here's the best part. It's like you get there, and I thought, Oh, cool! It's a, it's a gig, you know, and you know, it was part of the festival thing for thanking Tor- city of Toronto and everything. And then you find out, you know, five minutes before, <clears throat> and Steve Byrne was shitting his pants. He he kept seeing all these people. He goes, <laughs> oh, yeah. I thought it was Canada. A few days. I thought, and I honestly thought outdoors. At, you know, five six thousand people. Sure. You know, fair That's enough. That's still a lot. Still a lot uh, for outdoor thirty thousand. And then the week after, we went to Montreal for just for laughs. And for me, because being from Montreal originally, I got to play. Uh, it was was it close to seventeen thousand at the Bell Center, and I opened for Russell there, and it was the one hundredth anniversary Montreal Canadiens. Wow! So it was really it was really endearing yeah. because you got to you got to be in front of seventeen thousand people in in the Bell Center in Montreal where the Canadians were having their hundredth anniversary. And my mom was in the crowd, you know. Wow. So it was really. Uh, that was pretty cool, you know. So that'd be like that'd be like playing the anniversary of Poutine. If you could be at the anniversary <laughs> of Poutine and the Montreal Canadiens and it's Angelo Sarukas at the, uh, playing his hometown, but I always, I mean, stand-up's not the kind of entertainment that you could just stumble upon. It's sort of like you really have to sort of be in in the mood to go and right. see it. Like if you if you go to a bar and there happens to be a band there, you can be like, oh well, I'll go check out the band. But I always think it's I always sort of wonder when people show up to a bar and there happens to be a stand up show going on. I'm like, well, you didn't even plan on this, and you got to kind of be in a certain mindset. That's why I'm at a halftime <laughs> CFL game. I, I, I think uh, Frosty will remember this. We did this thing in Woodstock, Ontario, oh, yeah. called Good Time Charlie's, yep. Goodbye <laughs> Jacks, or something. Yeah, yeah. And we were there i think it was with jim mcnally and and the uh, or mike mark walker i think it was and they couldn't find the mic <laughs> yeah remember that and we're oh, sitting yeah. there and uh, for uh yeah we don't know where the mic is you know and you thought, <laughs> here you're doing these high-tech shows and then this guy's like well um then they called the waitress had it in her purse at her house of course and, she did and she goes well we we called dolores and she's bringing it over i mean you imagine doing oh, that. Yeah. we were looking for the mic yeah russell sorry we can't play to these eighteen thousand people dolores has the microphone <laughs> <laughs> Dolores to get home with Damn her you, last Dolores. Dolores. Yeah, she needed it for her eight-year-old's birthday party. Yeah. Now, one of the reasons you uh, chose this weekend to come to Toronto was uh, hopefully you were, you're in a movie and it was going to be in TIFF, and of course that didn't happen because TIFF is so competitive and, and right. stuff. But the movie that you starred in is called Fred and Vinny, and why don't you tell people a little bit about that? <clears> sure. Um, uh, I'm really happy about this. It's uh, it's called Fred and Vinny. It was written by Fred Stoller, you know, who's a, who was originally stand-up. Yeah, uh, yeah. And, uh and he's one of the guys, um, Fred. You, you, you've seen him. He's a, he's a definite character actor who's been on like Everyone Loves Raymond and The Nanny and God knows everything else. And um, <clears throat> this movie was written by a guy, which is, was uh, Vinny D'Angelo. Well, this guy I found out from Dom Herrera, who knew him, was like an open micer kind of comedian from uh, Philadelphia, and he had kind of like. Um, once the autistic, well, Asperger's or something like that. Uh, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah, know, yeah, he's yeah. kind of like that kind of guy. Yeah. Not Rain Man, but, you know, in that genre. And then he decides uh, to move to L.A. to visit his friend uh, Fred. But uh, Vinny's the guy who says, hey, man, I'm going to stay in your couch for a week or two. And eight months later, he's still there. Right. Yeah. You know, he's that guy. So pretty much every Western comic we know. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, 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 and the whole thing is... Um, 
And this movie, it's based on a real guy who I didn't know. And um, uh, I won't tell you how the film works out. It's uh, For me, it's not, It's it's a, they're basically two midlife losers. One kind of needs the other. It's an endearing story. Paul Mazursky saw it, the guy who did Down and Out in Beverly Hills. And, and Diner. And Diner, and he loved it. Wow. And, you know, he came to the, and Terry Garr was at our screening. And Freddie's uh, Freddie's an interesting guy. He'd be a great guy to interview. I mean, he he came through the ranks with Paul Reiser and Seinfeld and Larry David and all those guys, right? And he's <clears throat> Freddie's kind of like, you know, I just we want to go get some food, yeah. and he's like, you know, he's and he's just so like meek. And when Dave and Frosty were in LA, I was hoping to get him. He he wasn't available. I wanted to just to sit with him. He's kind of funny, and he doesn't do comedies much anymore. So he wrote the film. And uh, I never met the guy. I grew a whole beard for it, if you remember. Yep. And, um, you know, it's to get a film, uh, independent Hollywood film, as a lead role, uh, with the amount of actors and people there are in yeah, L.A., it, it's like a needle in a haystack. So it's your lottery ticket, yeah. It really is. And <clears throat> I think the harder part of it now is that we've got people interested in distribution now, like Warner, Independent, all these kind of guys. So that's where we're at right now, but... It's one of those films where it's um it's like a buddy film if you want to call it that you know and kind of one person is, uh, Fred Willard did cameos in it and stuff and well I think people need to know there's that one year um, where you were like within like one year you'd worked with ten Hollywood stars ten yeah but you were on the cutting room floor for eight of them eight of remember them. that yeah well, I remember, I, you, I, you yeah, remember yeah. I remember we were we were supposed to work I did. Defending Angelo, I remember with Stallone. Yeah, Avenging Angelo. Avenging Angelo. That one wasn't so bad, but all these, uh, like the yeah. score and this, yeah. uh, working with De Niro, farm and... Pacino, yeah. uh, uh, Stallone. Uh, De Niro, Pacino, Stallone, oh my God. Uh, Marlon Brando, uh, yeah. Fosse members, and we were, uh, all these films that we were supposed to do, and then, so, uh, you know you know when you're that asshole who goes to the auditions and was getting the stuff, uh, for a little bit, uh, you know, it was me. Yeah. Uh, and then what happened, though, n- nothing I got cut out, and I remember telling Frosty, like, shit, dude, you got all these credits. I was there. Yeah. You know, we did, we worked on some stuff together. You're there, and you do it, and then you're out of it. Even uh, Cinderella Man with Russell Crowe and stuff, because Brian Grazer's brother wanted the lines that I was doing, so I worked 38 days in the uh, <laughs> movie. And, and you got paid a lot all? of money. You see me in the um, background, in the background, and uh, the uh, the big scene at the press conference with Renee Zellweger and Paul Giamatti. Wow! And it was like thirty eight or remember forty days. Still, that's crazy money though, too. The money was great, but yeah. your ego gets shot. Yeah, down. of course. You're expecting something to be able to use it out of it, and then and, yeah, you got paid well, but in the end, you can't really say I was, from yeah. Cinderella Man. Yeah, I mean, you can, but you it's, can, it's, but it's yeah. almost like that turns and into I, Lou Eisen credit. Yeah. And I'll tell you, they did a big article in the Toronto Star, you know, because I remember uh, Russell Crowe picked up a phone and smacked the guy in the head with yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And we well, were sitting... Lou Eisen was on the phone with <laughs> <it>. <laughs> <laughs> You fucking cunt. Yeah. Get your fucking thing right, you fat fuck. You know, Lou, Lou. That was part of the dialogue. That's an inside joke. That's okay. a, a very inside yeah, joke. Yeah, I was but inside. <laughs> I didn't get it. But the, but, the, but the whole deal was with the, uh, like, I'd be sitting there, you know, talking to Ron Howard and, sure. I mean, Russell Crowe. And we're hanging around, and it was like, and then the the star picked up on the article because they like, you know, they said, hey, this is really cool. They did a whole thing, and here, as an actor, this is the thing you don't know. 
I, I, other friends of mine who are actors, it's like you don't know if you're in the film or not sometimes. Yeah. It's, it's happened. Kevin Costner's first film, they cut him out and they put him in the coffin. Well, yeah, oh, a, yeah. The big show. Yeah. The big show, yeah. yeah. You know, so <laughs> this is going to happen. I, just, I was putting a lot of coffins, man. The important thing is you weren't the guy who walked around and told everybody you're doing these movies. So when they came out and you were on the cutting room floor, yeah, it hurt your ego. But at least you didn't go around going, no. yeah, I'm in this fucking movie. I'm in this, like some guys do, <laughs> right? Yeah. And then it comes out and it's like, oh, really? You're in that movie in the background once? Oh, okay. Yeah, you're, you're, well, the, you're like the king of not jinxing yourself as far right. as like telling people that you're in something. And then, oh, well, maybe in deleted you know, scenes. You don't want to say nothing. And I mean, uh, you know, that's why what what. I, I brought some. I had a girl. But you were in the deleted scenes of uh, what was the one with Colin Farrell? Oh, the the recruit. The recruit. And it was the first one. And if you listen to the, uh, the, commentary, the commentary, he says very nice things about you. He goes, "How come they didn't leave the scene in?" Right, which is great. But when I was in <laughs> Duct Tape Forever, I was actually in it, one of the stars. Anytime I'm on screen, do you think fucking Red Green said one thing about me? No, he talked about the fucking extras and everything else. Ange. And you, I was in that movie. He won't even fucking admit I'm in that. I movie. remember. You know what's funny? I shot a film called Christmas Rush with Eric Roberts. Oh, don't tell this story. Oh, why do you tell so this funny. story? Right, tell sorry. it, tell it. And we were in Winnipeg. Oh my god! And a duct tape forever had just come out. And oh, I said, "Hey, fuck. my friends in this movie." Oh, and no. er- Eric Roberts, we went. This is weird. We had a, had a date with Eric Roberts. We went to the keg in Winnipeg, yeah. and classy. then we went to see duct Eric tape. Roberts is classy. Duct tape. I like. He's a he's a great, great guy. guy. He's a really yeah. cool guy. And then we went and saw Duct Tape Forever. He liked Frosty's <laughs> yeah. performance. Now that's a date. Yeah. I'll go with you, man. If I if I ever see Eric Roberts coming towards me, I have to fake a heart attack or grab a fork and stab my eyes out or do something because yeah. I don't want to ever have that moment of like, hey, you're from Duct Tape Forever. You, you know, should just say that you chopped off your thumbs in like just like in the Pope of Venice Village. I brought uh, Darren up on stage when I was hosting a Yuck and I said you might remember uh, him from we're Duct done. Tape Forever, okay. and he was he, afterwards. <laughs> yeah. I got reamed out afterwards. Yeah. Right, don't you done. ever bring that up that I was in Duct Tape Forever. <laughs> Don't my, you ever bring that up again. That was my idea, too. I said, I, know, I didn't even idea. know that he she was in it. didn't even know the movie, so yeah, I knew but, it was you, you fucking cocksucker. Yeah. <laughs> now, what, what season of Mad Men were you on? You were on a. Season number two. Now, now did you know, like, I mean, <clears throat> Mad Men was a popular show in its first season. Now, did you know what uh, in, uh, what a sort of level of a popularity that show would come to? Yeah. What, like, when you were auditioned for it? And did you, was well, it a kind of thing, like, oh, man, I really weird want this? Because and, a lot of people ask me, uh, First thing they asked me is, where do they shoot it? Because it was so well shot. It's in L.A., downtown yeah. L.A. And when I went for, it was uh, I think it was Matt Wiener, the guy from Sopranos, who's executive producer on uh, on the show. And, uh, you know, one guest starring role in Mad Men, you, it's amazing how many people yeah. Oh, yeah. are people stop me show. and say, yeah. wow, man, we saw you in that. And it's proud. And <clears throat> I knew I was watching the show before I was on it. I really liked it. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of a... That show, that show in Breaking Bad is a show that people love so much and they think it's just theirs, right? Because it's right. not on a normal channel. It's on a cable channel. You have to kind of find it. Right. And and the good thing is, you know, I got to do the role. And the cool thing was, as you know, this as an actor, I got to do the scenes with all the big stars of the... Uh, and they go, you know, you, can't, you know, it was funny because they go, you can't bring, you know, cameras on set or nothing. I saw John Hamm and John Slattery go... And these guys were the coolest freaking guys you'd ever meet because they're actors, man. They were yeah. happy to. I said, guys, you mind if I get a picture with you guys? Yeah, man. We took a couple of pictures, and then uh, John Ham says, "Hey, put it on Facebook." Yeah. So I did. That's you know, awesome. I, put it, I put it on Facebook, and then uh, people were looking at it, and they liked it. So it, 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 that's a bonus. You know, I did Blue Mountain State. There's this other show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've heard <laughs> that's a, a guest starring yep. role in that too. So it's uh, 
Look, living in L.A. for the last four years, anything you get on something, there's 9,000 guys going out for the same role. And I went for this role where they said I was too, wasn't fat enough. Yep. yep. I'm like 400 pounds, man. I saw guys there that looked like. They should have been L- in the Winnebago's <laughs> yeah. sitting there. I go, and I was like, uh, do I go to this one guy? How much do you weigh? He goes, I'm a, I'm a 580, 620. I'm like about 380. And the guy goes, yeah, we think you're good, but we need a guy heavier. What was the role? It was for a house. That mo- no, well, why, movie. Can, why couldn't you have just like Lou Eisen did and gain weight for a role? You could have. <laughs> How much more weight can I gain? What's wrong with Lou Eisen? I'm new to this area. <laughs> And we'll I, talk about that over sushi. Yeah, Lose sushi. a friend. We're just okay. taking rubs we got, on Lou. We got to actually kind of wrap it up. But okay. uh, you have some dates coming up, and this is right across North America. So in the next month, you're in Ottawa. <clears throat> when? I'm in, uh, I'm in Ottawa September 24th and 25th. Okay, that's at Yuck Yucks. At Yuck Yucks. And then I go to uh, River Rock Casino in Vancouver. In Vancouver. Uh, World Cup of Comedy with yep. Frank Spadone and Ahmed Ahmed. Yes. You know, and we're, we're doing that on the 1st of October. And then uh, 10 of October, I have another really big gig. It's called Marriage. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. The biggest gig of them all. That's the, I think the biggest gig. With a 50% and, uh, agent commission. You know, uh, so it's going to be, yeah, it's going to be, I think the commission's more it's than exciting. that. <laughs> Um, so if people want to find out more information, it's still funnygreek.com, Yes, right? yeah, they go to funnygreek.com. And I'm always checking up on Facebook and stuff sure. like that. And I got Twitter, Ange Saruk, you know, A-N-G-T-S-A-R-O-U-C-H at Twitter if they okay. want to follow. All right. Well, uh, I know you'll be back in town in probably a couple months and we'll have you back. But yeah. uh, thanks, Ange, for coming out and uh, appreciate it. Yeah, all oh, the, thanks uh, a lot, yeah, guys. Yeah, and, and, Thank and, you. And, and great, uh, great shows over the weekend. Oh, thanks a lot. I was, uh, I was so happy you guys were on the shows too. And this is a lot, a lot of fun, fun you know. It, thanks it, a lot. It was, a, it, and it was always cool to see that, like uh, when I was hosting one of them, just to, when people you say who the headliner is, and you really do get a sense that a lot of the people who no. are at that show yeah. know who. It was nice. Like, yeah. Oh. Yeah, we know who we're here to see. Yeah. Too bad management never takes that note. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Hell, yeah. They never want you to know you're doing good. No, no, we heard it was okay. Yeah. <laughs> Don't touch that dial. It was molested, and it brings back horrible memories. This is Anything Goes with Darren Frost, Dave Martin, and Kathleen McGee. Even when you're a star, a punch in the head is still a punch in the head. This is Anything Goes with Darren Frost, Dave Martin, and Kathleen McGee. All right, that was a little fun interview, right, with uh, Dan and then the old one with Angelo. It's like that a was nice show. Fun. It was all squeezed in. Fuck, we don't need Dave. Fuck, no. <laughs> we just bring, you know, Dave is a charity case. Yeah. Basically, we, we let Dave come in here. Because... Other people run marathons. Other people collect cans and give clothing to Goodwill. We have Dave in here once a week. Because we are good people. We are good people. And really, who else is going to clean my place and pick me up and drop me off and my clothing and my dry cleaning and my coffees? Dave. And who else is going to tell me when I've spilled beer on my pretty tits? There we go. <laughs> now, you had a story or something you wanted to say about uh, about the, the CDs or something? Well, we were talking about the boom? Yeah, we were talking about the boom, and he was talking about the Adam Sandler CDs and how mm-hmm. they're trying to emulate sort of what he's doing. And I ha- the first time I ever saw that CD, I think I was probably grade six, so that would be about 12 years old. I was my best friend. We were at HMV, and we picked it up and I was an overweight child okay overweight and on the back my last name's McGee on the back there's a sketch called Fatty McGee (laughs) so I'm like I gotta buy this CD and we saw the parental thing but we're like well it can't be that bad so uh 
Anyway, so we get the <laughs> the CD and we're listening to it, and that song at a medium pace comes on. You know, have you know the song I'm talking no, about? No, no, I don't. It's like basically a, a raunchy, raunchy sex song that a 12 year old should not be listening to. It's right. like stick my dick and balls back between <laughs> my legs, call me an ugly woman, and it's just right, like don't sing the whole song. No, I won't. I won't. But go and listen to it, and okay. you'll be like, holy shit! Because so my best friend and I are listening to this. We're 12, 11 or 12. We're just like, oh, my God. We thought yeah. this was the greatest thing ever. So we called her brother, who was probably about nine at the time. Right. We're like, Jeff, listen to this. Listen to this. This is what you got to do with your cock and balls, Jeff. We put it, We put him on the phone, and apparently Jeff started crying, handed the phone to my friend's dad, who <laughs> ended up listening to the rest of the song. And as soon as the phone got, got back, Jana's like, what did you think of that, Jeff? And his, her dad was like, get home right now. You are not allowed to spend any more time with Kathleen McGee. <laughs> it was really sad, but oh my God, we're still best friends. It's and, okay. and who knew to this day that's still a mantra for many, many people. You are not, not allowed <laughs> to be around Kathleen McGee. A lot of wives say that. That's nice. Yeah. Uh, well, if you have any uh, questions or concerns, you can always catch us through the internet or through telephone. Uh, our internet is laughattack at xmradio.ca and the phone number is one eight seven seven xm laugh so uh, if you have any questions or concerns, please send us any kind of fan mail to Kathleen. It's going there anyways. Um, Dave Martin will be back next week. You can always get in touch with Dave through DaveMartinWorld.com. My website is ComedyHorror.com. And, of course, Kathleen, you are at Facebook. Facebook, baby. <laughs> Uh, and just a quick a little special announcement. Any of our East Coast fans, all six of you, um, myself and Dave Martin are doing a special tour uh, Sunday, October 17th in Moncton at the Manhattan Bar, Monday the 18th in Fredericton at the Charlotte Street Arts Center, Tuesday, October 19th the St. John's Three Miles Club Tonic, and on the 20th of Wednesday, Charlottetown PEI, first time in 10 years for me, at the Guild. So if you want more information, go to my website at ComedyHorror.com, and my new DVD is out, Dead Inside. You can also order that as well. Another three hours of so-called comedy. And I think we're done. I Next think... week, is we'll just find a reason for David not to be here. Yeah, we'll just tell him that the show got canceled. <laughs> show got canceled, then go wash my car. Yeah. Could you drop us off near the XM Studios yeah. and go wash his car? Yeah. We'll be there for an hour and a half because we have to talk about the cancellation. Because that's what good people do. They get people working, right? Like, that's what charity does. It gets people working. We're good people. 